Welcome to Flavor Text, a podcast where we explore the intersection between lore, story, and gameplay for Arkham Horror the Card Game. This is season two, and we are kicking off the Path to Carcosa campaign. I'm joined, as always, by my unearthed wild colleague. <laughs> Kevling. That's got to run, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, it never gets old. <laughs> How are you, Kevling? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you, mate. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I don't think I said who I was. In case no one knows, Krabby Terror Who 8. are you again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh yeah I'm I'm pretty excited about uh about kicking off Carcosa. I know some of our listeners are as well. I think this one's a bit of a fan favorite this campaign. It is a classic, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, looking yeah. forward to getting into it. Yes. Uh, yes. But how are you anyway? What have you been up to lately? Uh well, um last week we had the live stream of Horrors Return to Horrors Without Borders. So I was part ah. of that. So I did an episode of the Investigator Games on that, which was great fun, but it's a little bit intimidating to have all these people watching. But actually it worked out okay because it was Sister Mary and I kept forgetting to add a blessed token to the chaos bag. So uh, it was ah, good because yes. people kept saying, ah, oh, don't forget the blessed token. So uh, <laughs> and actually, actually people uh, donated and then I had to add extra blessed tokens. So uh, that was... Oh, <laughs> so yeah, so that was good. So uh, uh, yeah, that was great. Enjoyed that very much. So yeah, that's what I've been doing lately. How about yourself? Well, I think last time we recorded, so I think it was the Dunwich Return to episode, wasn't it? The very next day, I was planning yeah. my charity live stream. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. So I did uh, twenty-four hours of gaming live stream, of which the first. Probably 11 was Arkham uh, Edge of the Earth blind playthrough. Uh, uh-huh. Really enjoyed it. It was an absolutely fantastic campaign. Um, I'm not Obviously, I'm not going to spoil it, but we're going to spoil Carcosa within an inch of its life, but I won't spoil <laughs> Edge of the Earth. Um, yeah. All I'll say is uh, I only did the very first optional scenario, then all the other optional scenarios la- after that I chose not yep. to do just so I could get the story progressed right. in time. Um yeah. Ran into a real brick wall on uh, again. Try and word this carefully for want of spoilers. There's a there's a scenario with lots of keys. So that uh-huh. scenario, I ran into a real brick wall because my uh, my seeker got killed. Uh, I was playing Monterey Jack and Daniela Reyes, uh-huh. and uh, Monterey Jack got swarmed by enemies and defeated, leaving oh. Daniela with her one intellect trying to oh, progress no. an agenda that you need <laughs> investigation skills to be able to complete. Oh, so that was a man. that was a bit frustrating. So there, my word of advice is: don't lose your main investigator. <laughs> But yes, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I did PlayStation games through the night, and in total, I've raised. Uh, do your mental maths for your local currency conversion here: five hundred and fifty-five pounds for uh, Macmillan Cancer Research. So, oh sorry, cancer support, not cancer research. Yeah, really impressed. I yeah, because I, I only set myself a target of two hundred and fifty pounds, and I've more than doubled it. So I'm really, really pleased with that. Well, that that's that's uh, hearty congratulations there. That's that's fantastic. And it was an excuse to play Arkham at the same time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's a win win all round, isn't it? It's fantastic. Mm. That's 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 really good. Yeah, uh, 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 the Edge of the Earth campaign that I'm doing is progressing. It's going 
Okay. Uh, I don't want to say <laughs> much more about it. I have to say I'm playing um, Norman uh, and I'm not enjoying playing Norman. I mean, I'd play a lot of Seekers. Uh, I think it's the sort of taking, you know, playing with your top card of your deck uncovered and sort of there's a lot of cards that let you sort of swap cards in and out. And I just find it a bit busy in a way that's not satisfying, I have to say. And and also you start as a seeker, but you're not really a seeker because you can't upgrade any seeker cards. You can only upgrade mystic cards. So you're actually a mystic in disguise. You know, it's... really weird so yeah, I, I do find that difficult to get my head around about all of the edge of the earth investigators it's that yeah. that class that that role switch as you agreed yeah 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 so i'm not yeah i'm not enjoying playing norman as much as i i, I thought i would but um yeah that's just that's just not neither here nor there so uh, that's going that's uh that's that's progressing i guess to uh to uh, a degree so now the other thing is uh I, before i did my stream uh mj was on doing a q a uh on on horrors without borders and um one of the things that she said was she couldn't say anything about the next campaign because she, she can't but she did mention something about the complexity of edge of the earth in terms of the you know the sort of the, the the way that you know the new format allows you to have a lot more options and things. We haven't seen we've seen nothing yet. The next oh wow campaign will take that to a whole <laughs> new level apparently. So she did say that. So um, that sounds exciting. Awesome. So <laughs> yeah. So there we go. I say awesome. I prefer the less complexity. I think. But yeah. Yes, I, well, yeah. We don't we don't get much choice, do we? We just play what we're given. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when we get to, you know, Edge of the Earth, it's going to be like three-hour podcasts, you know, trying to get through, you know, doing the story and the gameplay. It's going to get very complicated. Take half an hour just to read all the location cards. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Now, um, before we before we launch into Carcosa, I just, I just wanted to just sh- uh, give a shout-out to an email we do get emails from some of our listeners which are always very welcome uh we got an email from a fan of the show uh sub sub zero joe uh he uh he left us uh quite a quite a a fantastic email with a, a lot of detail um and i just wanted to point a couple of things out that he said one of the things was that um he was talking about where doom awaits uh, and one of the things about that was that I think we were a little bit lukewarm on where Doom awaits. Now, one of the things he said was uh, that um, there's other Lovecraft stories, one called Return um, Re- Re- Through the Gates of the Silver Key, sorry, which actually the the protagonist sort of meets Yogsoth off face to face, face to face. So this isn't this is this has got precedent in in actual stories. And he says, look, I love the presence and weirdness of all the great old ones, and feel amiss if we don't encounter them. So I think he had a good point about if we just finished on where Doom awaits, I think things would have been a bit anticlimactic, and I think it probably is better that you know it had a big ending with sort of meeting Yogsoth off and those sorts of things so we're probably maybe a little bit harsh on that final uh where doom awaits the other thing um he talked about was he's an architect and he can confirm that the warren astronomical observatory which is in the return to 
uh, is not Art Nouveau. He says, uh, there's, quote, there's really not much Art Nouveau about it. If it has a circle window, maybe, for the time period they'd retired Art Nouveau and World War, uh, you know, because um, after World War One they were moving into Art Deco. Art Nouveau has a lot of artistic sculpture details lacking in the art of the card. So there we go. That's that's the official official uh, verdict of an expert. <laughs> it's definitely not Art Nouveau. So, <laughs> so uh, there we go. Thank you, Sub Zero Joe. That's uh, that's very much appreciated. That email. Keep them coming through. Uh, what's what's the email again? It's a flavor text podcast at F- gmail dot com. F text podcast underscore podcast. I think we should. Know oh this, boy, we? It, it's we should know this. Podcast. Yeah, it's it'll be in the show notes anyway. So we really, really enjoy getting those emails. Right there, we go. It's probably a deliberate choice not to put the word flavor in the actual email name because people (laughs) spell it differently. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Uh, I think flavor text had been taken as well. I think that's why. You know, you have to choose. I think it had been taken. So uh, I don't think it was like anything. It wasn't like a deliberate oh, I've ascribed you a little bit more intelligence there than you deserve. I'm oh, sorry, Robin. <laughs> Everybody does. That's fine. <laughs> so, path to Carcosa. Yeah, I just wonder, before we dive into the scenario itself, just looking at the campaign guide, we can just call out some of the new stuff that they've added for this campaign. Oh, yeah, that's Firstly, a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Firstly, there was the hidden keyword, wasn't there? Yes. Um, so hidden cards uh, get secretly added to your hand, which is obviously something brand new at this point in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had Lola introduced to the game, which worked yep. completely differently to any other investigator with her ability <laughs> to switch roles. Yep. Uh, and then it was also it added doubt and conviction. So throughout the campaign, we'll be going to be tracking our doubt and conviction, which may inform the mm. story, because we'll be yes. told, have you got more doubt and conviction or vice versa? etc. And then the other new mechanic they've added was the idea of story cards. Um, Mm. So yeah, so it's where the back of the card will actually continue the story to some degree. So these new toys give them some some more, I was going to say, give them some more toys to play with in the way that they can uh, tell us the story. Um, So yeah, so yeah, just thought I'd just touch on those things before we dived into the scenario proper. Yeah, and, and very welcome. I think they really work really well with this campaign, particularly the doubt and conviction, because, you know, mm. what's really going on, as we'll see. And the story cards, I think, were a great addition, uh, which are used in other campaigns as well, but not not in sort of heavy, not heavily used, but they are used in, in other campaigns as well, aren't they? The story cards, they pop yeah. up now and again. Yeah, I'm sure I heard MJ say in an interview that whenever they introduce something new like this, they then don't use it in the subsequent scenario uh, campaign, but then they might come right. back to it the one after. So oh, it's those sort, that sort of so it's it's not yeah. in now and that's it forever. It, it sort of comes yeah. and goes depending on the cycle. Yeah, because I think what happens is by the time we see a campaign, they've pretty much done the next one. Yes. So and then if they get feedback where oh this is really awesome, well they can't put it in mm. the next one it'll yeah exactly yeah 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 oh that's good that's good that's um yeah that's that's some nice additions there isn't it 
So yeah, so here we have this prologue, and it's and it, it's immediately different to what we've been used to in Dunwich. We're no longer talking about stuffy university professors or blasted heads in the in the out in in sort of rural areas. We're off to the theatre. <laughs> Except they wouldn't say that, Narkin, would they? They wouldn't use that accent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the thing I like about this is it just doesn't it doesn't mess around. It goes straight for the king in yellow, which is the whole thing. This crazy, this crazy st- uh, stage play that that sort of drives people batty. They 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 just go there from the from the get go, uh, right there in the prologue. So it's uh, it really is a great way to start this this next campaign. And in a way, the king in yellow play it's a little bit like the VCR tape. In the ring, you know uh, the ring horror movies. <laughs> it's like it, 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 you know, e- even from the beginning, you can see there's something really dodge about this play. And the thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of talk about it. Bad things are happening around the play, but even in the beginning prologue, it's not as definitive as what we had with Dun- Dunwich. It's not like. This is absolute reality within the game world. Everybody knows this is kind of going on. There's kind of this feeling that things are happening, but are they really connected? And you're sort of going along to see the play to find out, you know, this this play, The King in Yellow, which seems to be related to horrible things that have happened. Crazed people have been, you know, there's been suicides and deaths and, and madness seem to be connected to it. But even in this beginning bit, it's kind of, and they say, say the play is really boring. That's the other thing which which comes from the original story. The first act, the first act is incredibly boring. Even in the story version, <laughs> nothing much seems to happen. And then, so you're wondering why have you bothered? Like, what's the big fuss? That you know, the whole thing is just a bit of a, a bit of a non. You know, there's nothing going on, and then you kind of just suddenly, kind of fall into this slumber. Uh, after you know, at the end of the first act, except of course, if you're a particular, um, if you're a particular uh, uh, investigator, where you have a slightly different yes. um, thing. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's something that they've not really done before. Well, they definitely haven't done it before, and I don't think yeah. they've really done it since, have they? Having a particular investigator start in a different location to everybody else. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall, I don't recall that at all. It tends to be that everybody starts together in the one place, and I mean, in this case, it makes sense. Lola's an actress, although she could have just been there watching the play. But they actually went out of their way to say she's actually part of the, um, part of the actual play itself. She's backstage, you know, and she's like, and she's she sort of hints that it hasn't been a particularly happy event. This stranger keeps getting changed, and he really really it's you know she's terrified when he turns up again but then everything goes black for her and so like with the other investigators who've been watching she sort of blacks out uh and sort of that's that's the setup you see you've got to see the stage play everything's boring as and then suddenly you're asleep or you black out (laughs) and uh and then it wakes up in scenario one which is curtain call 
Yeah. I mean, um, in terms of those starting locations, you're not wildly different. So you're only one location apart. But the fact that you are starting in those different locations does open up different avenues for how you can handle the uh, investigation. I think so, and I, I will probably talk about it later. But I think there's actually yeah. a benefit to, to to taking Lola, having Lola in in a multiplayer at least, because for this scenario, having people in kind of different locations at the start is a big benefit. I I, I think, yes. and we certainly found that when we played it. Um, you know, having them separate, and that's perhaps why they don't do it because it would confer some kind of advantage in a sense because allows you to kind of access other places so it's very it's very silent hill at the beginning of the scenario it's like so i don't know if you've ever played silent hill but you know there's the alternative world which is all blood and rust and it's kind of like that you wake up and everything's just like covered in blood and the curtains are torn and you yeah, know it's all there's basically there's there's corpses yeah. and things things like that in uh in in that way and um you know, foul, so recognizable smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, um, and you don't know how long you've been asleep. You could have been asleep for a thousand years. You've got no idea. So it's extremely disorientating what's happened. The other thing that's sort of interesting is, is the only people who are experiencing this are the investigators. Definitely, I was about to say that. You turn to speak to your, somebody near you, and they're a corpse. Yeah. So, yeah, we're the only ones still alive yeah. for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, exactly. Now, this points to something which makes this campaign a bit different because, unlike with, say, Dunwich, that there's a feeling that, that, you know, you've got Armitage, you've got Rice, you've got Clover, you've got Clover Clubs, you've got all these people. You've got The world is teeming with people who, are sh- who you've got a shared experience with. But even here in this first scenario, you're kind of alone... You know what I mean? It's not like you're sharing this experience with everybody else who went to the theatre. It's a kind of a much more personalised, you know, experience in that way, which is really quite important in a sense because no one else, no one else is sort of, I mean, you as the investigators are, but nobody else is, at least at this point. Yeah. So everyone else is clearly dead or something like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting setup. (laughs) yeah so uh yeah so it already seems to be playing with reality reality shifted somehow we're suddenly in a different are we in a different dimension are we in a different place is this all a dream uh it's it kind of leaves this sort of what the hell is going on kind of situation that that kind of thing so the only other thing i wanted to mention about the setup is we in Mm. terms of the symbols in the chaos bag we've only got skulls in there Uh, and then you look at the um you look at the scenario card and it groups together all of the other ones Um, oh yeah it does doesn't it and that because it turns out they're all going to be that they're all going to turn up in the game not all of them sorry dependent on how Mm. the act progresses so it's going to be optional as to whether you get so it's sort of giving you a bit of a clue there that there is something Mm. must something must happen at some point in this scenario that is going Mm. to change the chaos bag and they are some quite nasty tokens because they're all minus four on standard or minus four on hard expert the minus five of the harder version so they are particularly nasty tokens. Yes, and I noticed the word horror. 
horror, 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 horror. Yes. <laughs> it's all, all about horror, uh, isn't it? It's not so much damage. That it's, it's clearly indicating that this scenario really gets to you from a psychological sort of psychic perspective. Yes. Well, you know, if you yes. suddenly turn up and everything's bloodied, and <laughs> it would really kind of mess with your head, wouldn't it? The thing I like about Definitely. the setup or the, the layout for this is that it feels it feels kind of very natural in terms of the the layout itself too, right? The way it's sort of yes, uh, you know. there's a logical logical structure to it, isn't it? Based around a theatre, funnily enough. Yeah, 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 got, yeah, 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 exactly. You've got your lobby on one side, the theatre in the middle, backstage is the opposite side. But my favourite part is the balcony is up above, <laughs> which is where the balcony would be. And we'll That's talk right. about that a little bit more later as well. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. You know, I mean, we've. You know, sometimes scenarios they can the placement of locations can seem a bit arbitrary. Fair enough, there's nothing wrong with that. But here it feels it feels sort of natural and and, and sort of yeah straightforward. Yeah, in a, of, in a of, sense. Often the layout is a bit like a map, isn't it? Whereas there are occasional scenarios like this one where the way those cards are structured on the table reflects how you would see that in real life Uh, uh, like Essex County Express it is a train of carriages from left to right and it perfectly logically represents that location you are in yeah exactly exactly right it 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 makes it makes kind of conjuring it conjuring it up in your imagination that much easier because it's sort of you know yeah you go into the lobby there's the theatre, there's the balcony, and there's backstage, you know, it's sort of... Yeah, you know, without, kind of without wanting to think too far ahead, I think it does it again later in the campaign, doesn't it, with a building with three floors and such like, yes. Exactly, exactly. So I think they're really, really good that it's not, you know, we're not, we're not starting with a midnight masks type situation where we've got <laughs> a million locations all sort of connected and interconnected. In fact, you don't even you don't even really need any connectors for this one because it's so... Like you say, with like with Essex, it's fairly uh, straightforward, and I love uh, I love the locations because I think it brings the theatre, or at least this version of the theatre, to life really nicely. Okay, so shall we dive into the uh, scenario itself then? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, what should we start with? Uh, um, shall we start with the agenda? Yeah, let's start with the agenda. Yeah, yeah. Oddly named the third act. Yes. Even though the prologue <laughs> specifically says this is a two-act play and we fell asleep at the end of the first act. I know, uh, it's it strange, isn't it? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is if you think of like a three-act structure of a story, the third act is the resolution. So maybe that's yes. what this is hinting at here. This is the resolution. This is what happens after yes. the play sort of thing. Perhaps, I don't know. Or maybe somebody made a mistake and they didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't be that, can't be that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, looking at the agenda, the theatre is eerily silent, the old wooden floor creaks beneath your feet and a light rain gently patters on the roof as you explore the auditorium. There are more rotting corpses among the seats and the rest of the crowd has vanished. Mm. So we've got threshold of six doom on the agenda so uh not a huge amount of time but Hmm. enough to make a start yep yep 
And then looking at the act that we'll be starting with Act 1A, Awakening, you pinch yourself to see if you're dreaming and sure enough your skin stings and reddens. You take a few deep breaths and try and think rationally. Whatever is going on, you must explore the theatre to learn the truth of the matter. Yeah. <laughs> the truth, yes. <laughs> and we three three clues per investigator. So yeah, six six doom threshold and for a two player game, six clues to find, so Pretty, pretty standard at that point. Pretty standard, and it's a classic, you know, rummage around, try and work out what the hell is going on. <laughs> kind of scenario, basically. <laughs> uh, I like, I like these ones, and uh, and it's uh, a boy. What a uh, what what a theatre this is. <laughs> so. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, like you say, most people, most of the time, people will be in the theatre, won't they? So they'll be in the theatre. They will, yes. But if you have Lola, you actually start. Lola would start backstage, which means it's kind of like really, it's a linear thing, right? You've really got sort of yes, the, the, the yes. four cards that make a well, not th- sorry, three cards with the balcony up the top. But it, it does help if you've got Lola already backstage because it's saving you having to move there. You know, so we found that so Lola can get going at one end of the the, the the theater, and you know someone else can get going at the other. You don't have to physically move, waste time moving into the backstage yes. area and that kind of thing. So, hmm. yes. So shall we? Uh, shall we go through the individual locations then? Oh yes, please. Yes. Yeah. I'll, want to, I'll start want... with the theater, which has got to be one of my favorite pieces of flavor text there. <laughs> It must have been one hell of an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I love the picture. It looks pretty gruesome, whatever's going on on stage. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. It looks terrible. <laughs> and then you flip the theatre and the flavour text is, to say that the theatre is in disarray would be a profound understatement. The walls and seats previously polished to a shine are cracked and caked with dirt. The curtains are tattered. The set is stained with old blood. You aren't sure what's worse, the smell of rot or the nagging feeling that you've been asleep for a very long time. Mm. Yes. Yes. So again, no that, that's playing in... into the idea that you're not sure what's going on, sure. how much time no. has passed, etc. Exactly. And again, I, I, and I guess this would be heightened even more if you were playing it true solo. You are literally alone. Uh yeah, yes. there's nobody else. It's not like there are other people around or are all corpses. So, um, yes. Shall I do backstage? Uh, I'll do yeah, sure. Backstage here. So this one says, and it says, the set is different from what you remember of the play's first act, decorated with a backdrop of an unsettling sunset. And um, it says, and now, so on the other side, it's a three shroud location with just one clue, not per investigators, just one clue here. Forced, when backstage is revealed, put the two set aside backstage doorway, lo- put two of the set aside backstage doorway locations into play at random. Um, and while you are at backstage, each hidden treachery in your hand, that would be things like the whispers in your head, for example, counts as three, st- three cards instead of one for the purposes of counting hand size um so um this is obviously a mirror of as we'll see with the lobby but essentially there are three possible um backstage locations and you take two of the three 
and put them out so you can go into those locations from there. Yep. So logically then I will do the lobby. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, through the tall glass doors leading into the lobby, you can see that this room isn't nearly as dilapidated as the auditorium. Science promoting the king in yellow taunts you from inside. And then on the revealed side, it's four shroud and one clue. Uh, and when Again, similar to backstage, when you reveal it, you put two of the set-aside lobby doorway locations into play at random. And then it's got an ability on there, take two actions to draw three cards. Um, and then a bit of flavour text, the wide doors that led to the street of Arkham are somehow gone, as if they were never there. Hmm. So we can't get out. No. It's, it's, it's curious that actually in the picture it looks like the doors are there. Uh, you can just see them slightly there to the, <laughs> to the left. The, the other thing I've noticed is back to Sub-Zero Joe's point, that's definitely an Art Deco lobby. You know, with the oh yes, yes, the, 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 that's what you would expect from a sort of Art Deco style. So uh, yes, we're definitely in an Art Deco place for sure. Yeah, so we can't get out. We're we're sort of trapped in this place. Weirdly, the doors just don't exist anymore. Uh, and then we have the balcony, which sits which sits above the theater, and you can get there from the lobby. Uh, but then it's a one, and you can get between the balcony and the lobby, but you can get from the theatre to the balcony, but you can jump down from the balcony uh, to the theatre, but it's going to, uh, you take two damage, I think, in the process. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. A bit, I, I absolutely that's, love that. That's a perfect yeah. representation of trans, <laughs> transporting between those two locations. Yeah, if you yes. are going to jump down from the balcony, you will get hurt. Yes. <laughs> And it's actually interesting because it, 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 it sort of it mimics the idea of things being in three-dimensional space in a way that a lot of other scenarios don't tend to do in quite the same way. Um, although there is a scenario in the edge of the earth that sort of has a sort of a three-dimensional kind of aspect to it uh, where, where, you, where you're kind of going up and down. But it doesn't happen very often. Things tend to be fairly flat. Um, yes, it's like a top-down map view, isn't it, normally? Top-down yeah. map view, yes. So this yeah. says, a carpeted staircase leads up into the balcony. Somehow a hot draft is blowing down through the steep passageway. Okay. Um, and then on this side, it says, to your disappointment, the balcony sections are much like the ground floor below, although every now and then you think you spot a figure moving silently in the aisles. Ooh. Spooky. I like that because that's that's almost an encouragement to get back down there. So that might make you want to jump down out of the balcony rather than run down the stairs and go the long way around. Yeah, exactly. And interestingly, the balcony is quite forgiving. It's a victory point. It's got two clues on it, but it's only a two shroud. So for a for a victory point, it's fairly fairly forgiving. Uh, as a, so, it's worth going up there. That's for sure. Yes, yeah, the risk so. is coming back down because if you need to get down quickly, you are <laughs> going to get hurt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although uh, it's a it's a kind of a nice way of uh, um, running. You know, it, it means that you don't necessarily get trapped at one end of the theatre. You know, uh, yeah. once once the enemy comes out, there's sort of a way to get around that if you need to. So there we go. There's the sort of the the core. So it really nicely brings the theatre to life in that way hmm. yeah. 
Do we want to yeah. go through the uh, the optional locations that could then come out, like the three lobby and the three Absolutely. backstage? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shall I take the lobby and you do the backstage? Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So, all three of the lobby doorways have the same uh, flavor text on the back. Just basically, an ornate wooden door leads into one of the four front areas of the theater. So, first one is the lighting box, shroud of four, one clue per investigator. Um, it's classed as a private location. Uh, while you're in the lighting box, increase the resource cost of each card in your hand by two. Uh, at the top of a narrow claustrophobic staircase, you find the lighting crew's closet light booth stationed above the balcony. Expensive lighting equipment and several heavy spotlights dominate the cramped room. So I guess, I don't know, making it more expensive to play your cards sort of reflects you in a sort of a cramped, more difficult location nice. to do things in, perhaps? Something yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah, it's worth the victory point in the sense that you've really got to be able, you know, it's full shroud, so... I like the balcony. You've, you know, it's much harder to get get this one. So. Yes, yes. Uh, next one we've got is the box office. Again, it's a private location. Two shroud, but no clues here. Uh, but as an action, you can gain five resources. And then it sort of echoes back to, uh, to Dunwich here. Remember yeah. that you have stole from the box office. <laughs> Group limit once per game. Uh, but... Unlike certain aspects of Dunwich, this one will come into play in the resol- in the resolution. So uh, I'll, mm. we'll come back to that later. Uh, then the flavour text there. Raindrops pelt your clothing as you step into the box office. It takes you a moment before you remember you purchased your ticket indoors and you realise it is somehow raining through the roof of the hall. Oh. So yes, I give the indication that the ceiling has sort of rotted away or whatever over yes, this yes. whatever this time period that has passed. Yeah. Uh, and then the final lobby location is the green room. And this is a five shroud location with only one clue Ooh. per investigator. Uh, the flavour text is that the green room is supposed to be a relaxing lounge for tense performers. But you imagine anyone trying to find a moment to rest in this cluttered pigsty would come up shortchanged. Not <laughs> 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 missing the words there. No, cluttered pigsty. No, and ah. it looks it looks pretty awful too. So. <laughs> Uh, but then at that location, we have an action to uh, investigate with a plus three intellect for that investigation. But you would have to discard all of your cards at the end of the test. So if you're thinking that five shroud location is really difficult, rather than doing your normal investigate, you could do that special action with the, with the mm. risk that you will lose your cards afterwards. So you could go all in with all of your cards, commit everything yeah. you've got in the hope that you're passing it, because you're going to lose them anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes. And again, that's another victory point. But yeah, that is quite a tough one. The the, the backstage uh, ones are the similar idea. There are two with victory points and clues and one without. So, so it's, they mirror each other very much. So um, so what we've got backstage is we have... An, we have Two, we have, they're all private locations. First one is the trap room. I guess it's the room where you have the trap door where people can kind of jump through as if they've disappeared or something. Uh, here it says uh, it's a three shroud, one clue per investigator location. Again, you can get a victory point here. After you, re- you reveal the trap room, search the encounter deck and discard pile for one copy of Swarm of Rats and put it into play engage with you. Two copies instead if there are three or four investigators in the game. Shuffle the encounter deck if it is searched. 
So clearly no one has cleaned out the prop area beneath the stage in months. <laughs> so you've got rats down here to contend with. So that's a, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's quite nice. Uh, well, not nice having rats, but, you know, so it, it, again, it just, just brings it all to life in a lovely way. And then we have the rehearsal room, which is uh, only a one shroud, two clues. So easy to get the clues here, but victory. But there is a bit of a downside here. After you succeed by two or more while investigated the rehearsal room, you take a horror. So it's very easy to succeed. However, you can end up uh, taking a horror. There's some kind of weird symbol on the wall and it says as you enter the room silently confronting you is a giant symbol torn into the wallpaper. You cannot tell whether the wall was deliberately vandalised or the material peeled away uh, in the strange pattern on its wall. And it's obviously it's a yellow sign. Uh, so somebody's done that as some kind of ritual or something. Probably the man in the pallid <laughs> mask, the rotter, has, uh, has, has done that. So <laughs> I'm guessing narratively as well, it's really easy to investigate because it's obvious that there's this great big massive sign on the wall. But because it yes. is so easy to investigate, it is very easy for you to have to take horror once you realise what that sign yes, is. That's right. So I, yeah. I like how that sort of fits together narratively. Yeah, and they're all like that. They've done a really good job, like the rats underneath the stage and the green room in disarray. I think they've done a good job at aligning what happens to you and it's not always like that in Arkham, that what happens to you in a particular location always links directly to what's going on. But they've done a really good job with this one of making that, that really work really well. Um, and then the dressing room um, is a... There's no clues here, but it is for Shroud. You can heal three horror with three actions, which may which may be a godsend <laughs> in this particular scenario. <laughs> uh, and the cast's dressing room is filled with all manner of costumes and accessories, but it's the tattered yellow robe at the far end of the room that catches your attention. It looks too torn and disheveled to be worn, yet it is enticing all the same. Mm. So there I we guess go. as well, narratively, this is one of the few locations where everything isn't disheveled, destroyed. No, it's not. No. Full of decay. So I guess the idea of there just taking your three actions to heal three horror, I guess it's like a calming effect of the, a yes. little bit of oasis in the storm sort of thing. I'm going to sit here and do nothing for this turn. Just take a moment yep. and just yes. feel better for it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Um, like you say, that's uh, it gives you that moment of respite. So that's fantastic. So really, uh, I, I just think the the atmosphere and the way they've they they've brought this location to life, they've done a really really good job uh, with it. I think it's uh, it's it's a great it's great from that perspective. It's really good. Yeah. So thinking back to what we're actually doing, then we've got our locations laid out. Uh, yes. If you're playing as Lola, she's backstage and she's perfectly positioned to maybe go and explore some of those backstage locations. Exactly. Uh, if everyone else is in the theatre and can then explore the theatre and those front of house locations. Yes. Uh, we are basically, uh, hopefully at some point, we'll have, have at least two out maybe on either side. Yep. Um, again, depending on whether you're all sticking together or whether you've split up um, to yes. do both areas at the same time. Uh, and then as soon as we've got our, what is it, three clues per location, uh, three clues per investigator, then we would progress yes. the uh, act. Yep. So 
Flipping the act then becomes his final bow. A shadow creeps along the wall beside you and your heart leaps into your throat. You turn and a figure flits away just out of sight. Either your mind is playing tricks on you or someone else is in the theatre. You follow the direction of the shadow rounding a nearby corner. At the far end of the hall, he stands awaiting you. A man in an elegant black suit, his face covered by a pale mask. Though his attire has changed, you instantly recognise him as the actor who played the role of the stranger. I'm not quite sure how you would instantly recognise him with him wearing different clothes and a mask. There you go. <laughs> uh, one of the characters from The Key in the Yellow, he turns and disappears through an open doorway as if taunting you to follow. And at that point, we then choose one of the remaining set-aside locations. So this is sort of like the area you could almost gain it because if you've only done one side, if you've only done the front of house, you're going to have three set-aside backstage locations and only one front. So chances are you're going to be putting a backstage location to play, which you've then got to travel to. And yes. vice versa, if you've only done backstage, whereas if you've got two out of both, it's just a 50-50 chance then as to which of the locations you're putting into play. And that's what we found when we played it last we week, isn't it? Because we, we sent Lola backstage and then I went front of house and we knew that whatever, whatever happened, that next location was going to come into play next to one of us. Yes, exactly. It, it, it's, really, it's really important to do the Scooby-Doo thing here and split up because... Yes. And even though there's an inclination to keep everybody together in this scenario, you are better to be separate, to be separated because what you don't want to happen in it. And it happened to me, although I was playing true solo. So with true solo, you can't do that is I ended up traveling to one, one end then I ended up traveling back to the other and you could waste a lot of time traveling back yes. and forth and it, it, it can end up wrecking your game because you, you, you know, you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Whereas if you can, if you're, if you're two or three investigators, you can split up and you can make sure that somebody is close to where the man in the pallid mask is going to turn up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a random choice of one of three Act Two A's. Uh, yes. So often in these in these scenarios, the selection of the act might be based on a previous decision, but this is the first scenario in the campaign, so it can only be random. So yeah, we randomly pick one of the three, uh, and then we move on. So the Act Two A, they're all the same on the front. The stranger. The mysterious stranger from the King in Yellow might know something about what happened during the intermission. You must find him and confront him if you are to obscure the truth. The objective, then, is that when the man in the pallid mask would be discarded from play, we advance. So mm. I guess it makes sense to have a quick look at the man in the pallid mask. Yes. Um, yes, yes. So we ignore his spawn, location, his spawn instruction at this point because we're told where to put him in play. Uh, we... But as an action, we could investigate, take the investigate action on the man in the pallid mask card. Um, sorry, before I go that, he's got four fight, three health and four evade. So he's not a pushover if you want to tackle him the traditional way. Hmm. Uh, but the game gives you an alternative. You can investigate with a plus two shroud to the location that he's in. And then if instead of discovering clues, you defeat him. So you can defeat him with a single investigation. So it's sort of almost like you're just sort of trying to work out who he is, what's he doing here, have, approaching it with a, with your intellects rather than your fists. 
Yes, and 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 and, and for speed, it's it is better off if you. I mean, it depends though which location because if he falls at the five location, you you kind of you know it's a seven shroud sort of, you know what I mean? It, it's a it's a bit of a lottery yeah, be, yeah. which one he turns up at. But assuming that the investigation challenge isn't too bad, you know, it's literally you could literally just move there or maybe it's two moves, and investigate. But if you fight him, because he's aloof, you would have to move there, engage him, and do three points of damage. And most of the time, you're not going to get three points in one hit. So it's much more efficient to use the investigate option. And that's what we found, right? We we, we nailed him like that. Like, we had him, because we just moved there and, and, and did it. Because we were lucky. Oh, I think we had the worst possible look, didn't we? In that, I think he appeared at the five shroud location. For <laughs> he us. did. He so. did. He, we were just lucky that yeah. we managed to 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 do it. But um, fighting him is not is not optimum if you can avoid no. it. Uh, and then there's some there's some nice nice text with it from the king in yellow, which is from the play itself. Indeed, it's time we have all laid aside disguises, but you which is from the actual um, play itself, which I'm not sure why that's so shockingly, mind-bendingly terrible. <laughs> but that's, just, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the lines from The King in Yellow. So, yeah, interesting character. And he will keep popping up. Uh, this is only the first time we'll meet him. Uh, but you can do that fairly quickly, you know. So, but again, it's whether you've got somebody nearby, the shroud yes. is fairly low, so you're not having to travel across the map. Uh, you could end up doing Act Two A fairly fast if you're if you're lucky. Yes, um, yep. which is yep. what we found when we played last week, wasn't it? We did because yes. we split up. We were we were we were here dealing with this while it was still the first agenda. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So wow. if you can get the clues fast, you you can actually it can still be the agenda could still be hardly you know hardly halfway through. Uh, possibly, you know, uh, yeah, you could yeah. you've, you've done this, so it is possible to do it fairly quickly. Um, so, ha- what shall we do now? Shall we carry on with the act just to show what happens? From yeah, the I, think so. I think so. I think so. I think that's yeah. a yeah. I think so. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because I think they're fairly discreet events. The two anyway. They yeah. yeah. So this. We've basically, as we said, we've got a choice of three different, not a choice, a random selection of three different Act Two A's. They've all got the same objective that we have to basically remove the pallid, the man in the pallid mask on play. So, as we've just said, either by fighting him or defeating him, or by doing that investigate action. Yeah. Uh, and then all three of them basically have a different effect when you flip them over. Uh, yes. The first first one is basically the place sets on fire. <laughs> it's called a city aflame. Uh, I think they but it's the same flavor text on all of them, isn't it? Pretty much, yes, other, other than what yeah, the effect so. is. Other so, yeah, effect. as you face off with the stranger, you get the sense he's grinning beneath his pale faceless mask. Where is everyone? You ask, but he does not respond. What is going on? He remains silent and steps back as you approach until his back is against the corner of the room. And on this one, you feel intense heat behind you. You turn to see flames roaring throughout the auditorium. You turn back to the stranger, but he is gone. So on this option, we put two cultist tokens into the bag. So this is, as I was saying earlier, this is where your chaos bag will now start evolving. Uh, and then it adds a sort of uh, an area effect, really. Uh, you place a horror on the theatre. Uh, then 
the horror represents the spreading flames. Uh, so you then have to do an evade test if you want to enter a burning location or you end your turn at one. And if you fail that evade test of three, you have to take a damage. Mm -hmm. uh, but you only have to do it once per round. The second version, uh, the path is mine. Uh, instead of fire, this is a viscous ooze. Uh, so this time we are adding tablets to the bag. And the test here is that when you leave the location, you have to take an evade test of four. And if you fail, take a horror and a damage. And then the third one is adding Elder Thing tokens to the bag. And that one is uh, salt water. Blood. Yes, Deluge exactly. of cold salt water flooding the room. So again, mm -hmm. the horror tokens represent flooding water. And again, when you would want to leave that location, you have to take an evade test of two. And if you fail, take a damage and you have to stay there. So all of them are, they're all very similar, but they're all slightly different in how you have to sort of face those tests and what the impact of failing those tests are. So the net effect is it makes it more difficult to move around. Yes, and this is the first time, we, uh, you know, I mean, they'll be used a lot in um, Innsmouth Conspiracy, but this is the first time we're seeing any sort of environmental effect that sort of spreads. Uh, and, and and like you say, in order to, to enter or leave or something like that, you've got to do a test. One thing I did notice is that the effects are different in terms of location. I didn't realise. I thought they all worked in the same way but they're slightly different in that the the fire starts in the theater so even though the pal man in the pallid masks has moved to the lobby uh from wherever he was the fire itself it says starts in the theater um oh, yes the um the ooze starts where the man in the pallid masks has moved from so wherever he was that's where the use starts. So one of the back backstage or lobby door locations, and then with the water that starts, place one horror at each private location. So that's much more extreme. So it's interesting that they didn't make the effects consistent in terms of where they start and how they work. They sort of all a bit different, aren't they? That's a good um, point. I didn't pick that up. Yeah. No, I didn't even also, pick it up till just now. <laughs> yeah. And then also the tokens that have been added to the chaos bag. Not only are they really tough in that they're minus four. Mm. Uh, if you fail, it, when you draw that token, if you if the location has a horror token on it, so one of these effects, you have to take a horror. Mm. Or if it doesn't have a horror, you put a horror on it. So mm. drawing those tokens will it, will both cause you more horror and cause that environmental effect to spread as well if it's not already yeah there. yeah so what you can find is and again this can be depending on where you are and this is why i think people this like this scenario can be quite swingy in how it yes. plays you can find yourself cut off from each other in all kinds of ways you didn't anticipate uh because you need to yes. be separated and then you can find being separated, actually, you've got fire in between you and what we'll see a monster. So it can quickly find yourself sort of, you know, kind of separated out and finding it quite difficult to to, to, to sort of work together in that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or, the, or you can have the water 
sport at all of the private locations so that's all those backstage and front of house locations so it's pushing you into the middle yes so, exactly yeah. exactly so uh it's it's surprisingly variable about how things can uh play out um you know depending on just how things go so yeah it's really interesting um so if we just then just finish off the acts then mm. um Yep. So the place is now on fire, stroke covered in ooze, stroke flooded. Uh, we now basically have to find the man in the pallid mask again because, if I yes. remember right, he is he's, he's put back into the play, isn't he? He's in the lobby. Uh, yeah. He's in the lobby, that's it. Uh, and then Act 3A, curtain call. The stranger must know the way out. You have to follow him. And of course, we know, having been to the lobby, that there was no way out. The doors had gone. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. So while he is not in play, the lobby gains the resign action. So basically, we've got to track him down, defeat him through one way or another, and then defeating him reveals the exit, so to speak. Yep. Um, and then we have a forced effect. At the end of the round, we place a horror on every location that is connected to a location with horror. So that mm. uh, represents the spreading of the water stroke, ooh, stroke fire. <laughs> yes. And then uh, each if each undefeated investigator has resigned, advance, and then we get our first choice, don't we? So it says the stranger will give us a slight bow as he steps through the lobby's front entrance, opening a glass door that was not there a moment before. Mm-hmm. A sudden cacophony of noise erupts around you and you fear that the building is only seconds before it is destroyed. You flee, crashing through the front doors, leaving the ruined theatre in your wake. Several moments, sorry, several blocks away, you take a moment to rest and think about what you've witnessed. The investigators must decide. Choose one. We have to warn the police about what's going on. Resolution mm-hmm. one. Or the police won't believe us. We've got to solve this mystery on our own. Resolution two. We'll come back to uh, the impact of those decisions <laughs> later when we, uh, yes. when we, when we, yes. at the end. But it, it, so. it, it's that, I mean, they've used it a few times in that it's the sort of investigate and then you've got a race to the exit. There's a there's a sort of a, there's a forgotten age scenario that's a bit like that where you go investigating yes. and then you've got to leg it <laughs> back to the exit <laughs> as quickly as you can. Uh, and, and that's what they're sort of setting up uh, with, with this. And it, it would be okay if it was just fire, ooze or water, but unfortunately there's something else as well in the theatre as well. <laughs> there <laughs> certainly <laughs> is, and they are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> right, so shall I hand over to you then to do the mm. agendas? Yeah, so um so as we said if you, you know the chances are that you'll probably I mean not you know you'll probably be either around the time with the man in the pallid mask the first time is when the agenda will probably be flipping. It's around that time. We were yeah. lucky when we played we got through it blindingly fast but usually you're either trying to get to the man in the pallid mask the first time or you're kind of engaging with him when this one flips and when this flips this is where things go bad so abruptly this is this is what happens when the agenda flips the emissary's message abruptly the malformed body of an unnatural nightmare slams onto the stage its slithering tendrils reaching into the aisles 
It opens its moor and lets out a shrill, piercing song. The melody is uncanny. The notes sear into your mind. Pain pounds in your forehead and blood runs from your ears. Oh, boy. Uh, sort of like an ACDC concert, really, isn't it? And search the set-aside cards and victory display for the royal uh, emissary enemy, and you spawn that in the theatre. So woe betide if you happen to be in the theatre when this thing <laughs> drops, because it's an elite monster. It looks horrendous. I don't know how to quite describe it. It just looks awful. It's sort of blubbery mass with red tendrils, and... I don't know, it's spewing something from its mouth. It's got massive hunter and retaliate. It's a four fight, four health, two evade. Uh, and a force at the end of the enemy phase, each investigator at Royal Emissary's location or a connecting location takes horror. So this can also be adding to the other stuff. You know, you've got fire, oh, ooze, yes. water. You've got horror coming from the chaos bag. And then this thing is also providing horror and when it moves it you know if it traps you in an area everybody's taking horror at the same time so really nasty in that sense one reason to go legging it to the dressing room and take that triple action (laughs) (laughs) exactly unfortunately he's right next door to well the man in the pallet house is going to end up i mean the thing is you i guess you could get him to hunt you the other way and then you can kind of you know, leave him there and get the other way. But uh, yes, you can end up really pincered in with this guy. Now, I, I never thought of this before, but the Royal Emissary has Messenger from Aldebaran. And I actually looked up, well, I didn't know what Aldebaran was. Uh, um, it's really interesting what Aldebaran is, because I thought, oh, it's just some made up word in a story. It's not. <laughs> because Aldebaran is actually a, a, a star. Uh, it's part of the Taurus cluster. So if you look at Taurus up in the sky, Aldebaran is like one of the key stars. Um, and so okay. it's been used in Aztec mythology. It's been used in different mythologies as a sort of a, a, a sort of a key star and was used obviously where Carcosa was supposed to be from. But this is the weird thing, Kevling. Aldebaran was the Nazi, prominent Nazis thought that the Aryan race came from aliens and that they came from Aldebaran. And so a whole bunch of Nazis used to do seances trying to contact Aryans in Aldebaran. <laughs> I so this is you an not alien. look it up on... Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. this is like, an alien well, singing on yeah. the stage, is it? <laughs> I was thinking, am I reading this Wikipedia entry right? This is just bizarre. <laughs> this is just so strange. But... Yeah, so there you go. Yes. So, uh, but clearly in this context, clearly Carcosa. Obviously, this is an emissary from Carcosa. So, um, yeah. Now, what it really sort of sets up is because you can kill the royal emissary. Uh, so the third act, sorry, uh, sorry, Act Two A, Encore. Uh, sorry, Act Agenda 2A, Encore, says the creature's song echoes relentlessly through the halls of the theatre. The melody repeats again and again, yet somehow never the same note twice. And it says, forced after the Royal Emissary is added to the victory display, remove all Doom from play and reset the Agenda deck to 1A and place 3 Doom on it. So the problem is, even if you kill the Royal Emissary... It goes into the victory display, but then you just reset and it will come back 
um, after yes. three rounds or three turns. So you can get into this sort of endless cycle of if you kill it, it'll just come back. So you have to try to kill it if you're going to do that and get done before it comes back again because otherwise you're just going to go through the whole thing again. It's just on um, a sort of endless have loop. Have you noticed what happens if you don't kill it? <laughs> Yes, I did. I did kind of notice. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. want to share think, what what lovely thing happens? <laughs> oh, the song grows louder and louder. So yeah, sorry if you've not defeated the uh, royal embassy with all that six doom threshold. Mm-hmm. The song grows louder and louder until it drowns out all of your thoughts. You collapse to the floor, cover your ears, but try as you might, you cannot muffle the intensity of the creature's awful voice. The whole world threatens to close around you until at last you hear a discordant phrase throughout the melody. Exit now. Each investigator takes 100 horror. Cannot be prevented. (laughs) That was absolutely hilarious. Wow, really? How do you interpret the exit now? I don't... I'm not sure what that means. That's an interesting um, phrase, isn't it? Does it touch on it in the resolution? I don't think so. Uh, It's just an interesting phrase, exit now, like... The exit's now open. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. The exit now is yeah. available. That kind yeah, of just thing. Just looking at the resolution, you just get woken up by an old guy. So it's yes. not as though he's saying exit now to you and you've just heard that through the vision. Yeah, yeah. It's it's mm. it's a bit cryptic what, what that actually means, but it's a horrible ending really. So you just, just basically just the whole thing just drives you a bit nuts, really. <laughs> Because it's a definite mm. mental trauma. The nice thing is, it's just a mental trauma, really. But but it's it's well, yes, it really yes. kind of drives it home, and I, doesn't and it? And I guess as well, that's that's almost a learning point from uh, mm. Dunwich, where we had the. Uh, I've, I've just had a mental block now. I've forgotten what it was called. There was a thing where when you deck milled, you took ten horror. Was it? I think it was, or something like that. But there were ways oh, of the, mitigating the and preventing yeah, that. Yeah, the veil of Whereas, something. That was it. Through, through the, the veil, veil, was it? Beyond yeah. the veil, yes. But here, 100. You are not going to be dealing with 100 horror. No cards <laughs> will help you. And it even puts in brackets, cannot be prevented. So you cannot no. stop this. You failed to no. deal with the emissary. You're going to have to deal with yes. the consequences. Yes, yes. And if you haven't played this scenario before, you'd be thinking, you know, the emissary is going to, you know, rampage around Arkham or what, something's going to happen you know, it's like that if you're sort of assuming it's going to be more of a Dunwich type scenario, but that's not the way the resolutions play out at all, which is fantastic. No. <laughs> so, yeah, you're sort of what you're sort of there. You're stuck in a loop, aren't you? So you've got that sort of six rounds to deal with the emissary. Yes. And then, you know, the emissary is going to come back. Uh, yes. But then you gives you that very small window to then try and deal with the pallid ma- the man in the pallid mask. Oh no, I'm not going to do it on time. I've got to get back to the Eversley. Let's deal with the Eversley again. And you could, with all of the the fire or the water or the ooze, and then the horror from the Eversley. Like you say, it can become very swingy, and it could all get on top of you very quickly. Exactly. We, like, like like we said, we were very lucky in our game. We we got yep. the uh, we got out there before the Eversley, or just as the Eversley was first spawning. Dropped. I think. 
Yes, we were incredibly yes. lucky. And, and I think, in a way, that's the way to play this, really. It, really, you, it's easy to get distracted by the emissary and other things. But really, if, if you, you know, you've really got to focus on the man in the pallid mask, get him defeated as quickly as you can and get out. And because the thing is, even if you're taking damage and horror, as long as you can defeat the man in the pallid mask the second time, it's done, you know. That's it. Because as soon as soon as you've defeated him the second time, it's it's finished. So yeah, yeah. So um, however that happens, it ends up with three lovely resolutions, as we were talking about before. Um, shall we? Uh, shall we uh, tackle these uh, resolutions, Kevling? Yeah, sure. Want to kick us kick say, us off with it. the first one? Seeing as we've just been talking about being defeated by the Royal Emissary, let's uh, pick up <laughs> with that one first. So, yeah, uh, yeah if, if we were defeated, uh, once again, startled awake. Uh, I, don't know, I don't need to read it all, do I? But the, an, an elderly guy wakes you up. Um, <laughs> yeah. You sort of glance around and everything seems back to normal. So what's, mm. What on earth has been going on? Yep. Uh, the old man sort of, He's basically picked you up in the street, hasn't he? Because you've made your way out. Correct. Uh, he says, exactly. "What happened to you? Were you mugged?" Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you walk over it, to the theatre. Looks all right. It's a bit dark. You can't see in it. Uh, what I do like is in each of these resolutions, they mm. put the odd word in bold, just to play into the doubt and conviction mechanic. Yep. Because. Uh, Oh, so yes, as we're going to. through this resolution, you do see the stranger and you call out, who are you? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't respond and he disappears. And then you find a notice on the wall near the theatre's employee entrance. Don't be a wet blanket. Come to the key and yellow cast party, 8pm at the home of Constance Domain. Formal dress only. Uh, mm. In our campaign log, you put that the stranger is onto you. Yep. Uh, uh, and then we put a one tally mark under chasing the stranger for each time that the pallid man, the man in the pallid mask, was defeated, and then we yep. earn our victory points. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's obviously there's um, a new mechanic there. This tally marks for the number of times you've defeated the stranger. That's obviously going to come back in some form later on. Yep. Uh, but apart from that, it's sort of like your pretty standard scenario resolution there, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it's shocking. It's shockingly normal, though. So it really, yes. even, even, you know, even if you're sort of playing this more as you're not really focusing on the story, it's such a shocking kind of wrenching change from because you're so caught up in this weird reality and suddenly you're back. Everything's normal again. Sort of like what? Yes, <laughs> it really is. It's uh, it's so well done because you you get caught up in this. You know, the abnormal becomes normal, and then suddenly, it's it's all gone, and it's like, wow, did I just hallucinate that? Um, so yeah, it's really interesting that 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 one um, in that way. So uh, I actually looked up, I looked up fourteen fifty two Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. If you go to Google oh, yeah. Maps. I actually thought I'd look it up. It's an actual auto repair place. But the funny <laughs> thing is, is on the outside, there's four signs in yellow. Like, 
auto repair, <laughs> that, and they're all in yellow. I don't know whether that was deliberate or not, but it, I laughed so much on it. I, first of all, I thought it'd be something like Carcosa Auto Repair, but it's nothing like that. Yes. But there's all these yellow signs outside, like <laughs> all around it. So I thought that was that was quite neat. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, I guess resolution one is the one where you decide you're going to go to the police. Uh, and this is great because... You go to the police and first of all, it's classic. First of all, they make you wait. So you sit there because they go, hold on, (laughs) hold on. And you sit there, you're like panicking and they're like, and eventually, you know, they'll see you, you know, the staff sergeant or the sergeant on, 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 you know, who happens to be be just, uh, you know, working at the time. And then when you start babbling about what's going on, they're just not interested at all in what you've got to say for obvious reasons. So this one, you don't chase... Uh, a man in a mask or anything but you but you're you you've got this conviction like you say you know what you saw even though the police don't believe you you go back to the theater and that's where you find the same invite don't be a wet blanket come to the cast party of constance domain Uh, and for this one you mark one conviction in your campaign log and also that the police are suspicious of you and the lovely thing here is if you stole from the box office, sorry, yes, if you stole from the box office, they're suspicious of you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's the difference uh, there. Um, the other thing it talks about is with the man in the pallet mask, somebody takes that in their deck as a weakness. So what's going to happen in subsequent campaigns, uh, sorry, scenarios is he'll come, he'll pop up. You've got to put him in a location furthest from everybody. He's aloof. So it actually is quite an effort to go and get him and defeat him. It's not, you know, in most cases, it's going to be quite difficult to get more tally marks because he's got to turn up first. He might not turn up in some scenarios. And even if he turns up, he might be a long way away. And then you've got to defeat him. So it's it's quite an effort to do that, usually. One thing I also like about both that resolution and the other one is obviously mm. this is the what we would say is the conviction resolution. Like you said, you are convinced of what you saw, but the very first line in the bullet point is, did you really think the police would help you? <laughs> yes, that's great, isn't it? That is so Whereas good. if you then take the other resolution where yeah. you know, the police aren't going to help you, the first bullet point says, do you think it was wise not to warn anyone? <laughs> So whatever yeah. you do, it's casting this doubt as to whether you've made the right decision or not. Yeah, but it's hilari- right. hilariously, <laughs> other than the conviction and the doubt, the resolutions play out exactly the same. In exactly. all cases, the stranger is onto you. In all cases, you add the stranger to your deck. Yes. So it's exactly the same, other than just the the narrative that sits around it. Yes, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, it's but really, again, really as well, playing into that as well, when you play it, you will only read the resolution that applies to you. So you'll be thinking, oh, oh, what would have been different if I'd made that other decision? Exactly. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing would have been different. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. And it really, really brings home that idea of this is, is this just all going on in your own mind? You know, are you just, are you just sort of, because again, unlike, I think all the other, all the other um, campaigns, um, you are sharing the reality with other people in the game world. You know? Yes. 
in this one, nobody else has seen this. Nobody else was there. There's not like there's there's lots of other people standing on the sidewalk going, oh my goodness, that was, te-. you know, it's only you have experienced this. It, it, it's a singular, uh, that's why I said before, in some ways playing this true solo is even, that even makes it even more that because you can't even share it with yes. the other investigators. There's <laughs> just you. Um, yes. But it's like, did it really even happen? Did I just have a... You know, did I just have a terrible dream or, you know, it's uh, it, it really messes with with your assumptions exactly like the books The King in Yellow do. It is doing exactly that here in the scenarios, which is just fantastic. Really, really good. Yes. Yep. Cool. So there we are. So I think that's that's it then, isn't it? So yeah. what do you reckon? Oh, it's a great start. I mean, a really, really good, good start. Um, you know, I love the setting. I think the way they set up the the theatre, it just it really sort of brings it to life. I like the way that what happens in the rooms really aligns with the the rooms themselves. Um, and I, I really like, as I was just saying, this idea that did this really happen or not? You just don't really know. Um, the only thing about it is that it could be really swingy. I don't think that's yes. bad though, but it, it can really, you know, it could really go either like we found really easy in a sense. We did it really quickly or it can be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. It's just, yeah, absolutely fantastic. The way the gameplay fits the story that's trying to be told, the mechanics all match up with the actions you're trying to take on the location during everything just fits together it's incredibly well designed absolutely love it yeah yeah i i I couldn't agree more it really it doesn't i didn't feel like when we were playing like well why am i doing these things you know it didn't feel forced it felt like i would that's what i would do i would be wanting to try and get out and so it, it works really well and then at the end it gives you a nice sort of straightforward without requiring any exposition party okay we've got to go to the party because we want to find yes. out more. You know what I mean? That's all you need to go to the next scenario. You don't need like some, you know, huge backstory after. I mean, it, it and it and like you say, it sets up the revolu- resolutions nicely as well. There's a you know, go to the police or don't, uh, and there yeah. and that's really that's really done well as well. And you're ready. Okay, we're going to go to this party. Who knows what's going to happen at this party? But it sets it up really, really well. I think I think it's a fantastic, fantastic, very strong opening to 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 the campaign. I think. Fantastic. So yeah, like you say, off to the party next. Yes. Pack and your best clothes. Yes. Yes. Who doesn't love a party? <laughs> Or more dress only, and we'll go and see this constant domain and see what mm-hmm. see what she has to say for herself. Yes, yeah. So again, we're not racing into the backwoods and rural settings. It's more urban, you know, sophisticated, artsy types. We're going to be uh, involved with, no doubt. So uh, yes, um, that's where we'll be heading off uh, next time. So uh, yeah, fantastic. So I think cool. that's all. So yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Please, uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, yes, uh, Kevling and I are very much looking forward to talking about 
The Last King, I think it is, which is the second scenario uh, in a in a few weeks' time. But until then, uh, I'm Krabby Terror Eight. I'm Kevly, and thanks so much for listening. Cheers, bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. Please like, comment and subscribe. We'd very much like to hear from you. If you would like to um, send us your thoughts, um, send it to ftexpodcast at gmail.com. That's F-T-E-X-T podcast, ftexpodcast at gmail.com. You can also listen to this podcast on YouTube. Just go to Out of Ammo, Out of Time, and you will find it there. And it's also available on the usual podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcast, that kind of thing. So if you want to subscribe, go there. But until then, I'm Krabby Terror 8, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye.